0: the presence of the lord is going to overshadow you today i just want you to leave here today differently changed god will do something special in your life if you'll let him i welcome all of you to christ Center church we've been having what we call in pentecost revival but no need to explain all of that just trust me on that um since thursday and so we were here thursday night at 7.30, Friday night at 7.30, Saturday morning at 10 a.m., and this morning again at 10.30. And so God has been good to us, and we, we've we experienced some great things about the Lord. And so now I would like me to open your heart and receive the man of God that God has sent to us to minister to us, Pastor Thomas Dibble. Welcome him to this platform. Thank you for the platform. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, let's take a moment and do that. Jesus, we give you praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You're so good, Jesus. We adore you. We magnify you today, Lord. Hallelujah. There's nobody like you. You're the only true and living God. And we adore you today, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Do you have your Bibles this morning? Turn with me to the book of Second Chronicles chapter number 20. <clears throat> we're going to talk about Jehoshaphat a little bit. We spoke about him Friday night, I believe it was, and we're going to talk a little bit more about him this morning. Let me... Say while you're turning there to Second Chronicles chapter 20, what a thrill and pleasure it's been for me to be here over the last couple of days to worship with you, to feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. Praise God, I count it uh, a privilege to have been here. I love your pastor and his wife. Um, you should be thankful for a great pastor. Amen. Amen? It's easy for me to come in here, preach a couple of good messages, the only four messages that I have that are any good, and and uh, you all think I'm a great preacher, but your pastor works week after week, year after year, laboring here. You should give him a, a hand of thanks, praise God, because he cares for your soul. Praise God. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, beginning in verse number 3, it says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Now, Jehoshaphat has just heard the word that three nations have joined together and are coming to defeat the nation of Judah. Verse number 4, And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, oh Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God? who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in thy house, and cry unto thee, everybody say cry unto thee, thee. and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. I want to talk to you this morning for a little bit on this subject, the cry that turns the tide. The cry that turns the tide. You can be seated this morning. King David had a desire to build God a temple. It was one of the greatest desires of his life. But because of the blood that was on David's hands, the Lord wouldn't allow him to build the temple. But instead, David began to amass the raw materials. He made the plans. He wrote the songs that would be sung there in that temple. But it was Solomon, his son, that was designated as the one that would complete David's desire. When it was finally done, and Solomon had finished that exquisite temple of the one true God, he took to heart the great gravity of the situation as he invited God in to inhabit the temple. As the Ark of the Covenant made that critical transition into that brand new tabernacle, there was a great day of sacrifice and petition before God. It was an unprecedented display of worship. And God answered it with a very powerful promise. It's found in 2 Chronicles Chapter number seven and verse number twelve says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. Now, (coughs) I don't want you to misunderstand what God is telling Solomon, because oftentimes we take these verses out of context. We lift them up out of the passage that they're found in. (coughs) And we use them as blanket statements to try to twist God's arm to get Him to do what we want Him to do. You know the passage, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And we say, Come on, God! You promised in Your Word that You were going to answer our prayer and You promised that You were going to come through for us. But the context of what's happening here is Solomon has been talking to God and he is telling God, God, if somehow, somewhere along the line, we find ourselves straying away from You, if somewhere along the line we find ourselves not where we should be with You, if we do things that Pull us away from your presence if we allow things into our lives that are not like you. Solomon is saying, would you please hear us? And God responds. And he says, I'll tell you what I hear. (coughs) I'm not just going to hear you when you come running to me because you've got a problem. If you haven't been serving me in your good days, I'm not just going to come running to you in your bad days and help you in your time of need. He's telling them, I'm not a vending machine kind of God. You can't just come into the temple and yank my chain and get me to do something if you haven't been serving me all of your days. You see, the Word of God bears out. His Word tells us that He has no obligation to answer your prayer or even hear your prayer if you do not and have not determined that you are going to follow through with Him in obedience to His Word. You can't just yank his chain and get him to do what you want him to do. Any old time you want him to do it. But you've got to serve God with all of your heart. And so God begins to answer Solomon. He said, I've heard your prayer. And good luck for you. I've, I've chosen this place for myself, that this would be a house of sacrifice. He goes on in verse 13, If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people. Notice who is sending the locusts. Notice who shut up heaven. Notice who sent the pestilence among His people. It was Almighty God that allowed those things to come their direction. He was trying to get their attention. Hey, folks, you need to turn back to Me. If I do those things, verse 14 says, if in that situation... If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. He gives them that promise. If you find yourself in that situation, and if you turn around and begin to seek my face, and you humble yourselves, and turn from your wicked ways, and you begin to pray, that's when I will hear from heaven and I will come through for you in your time of need. What a great Declaration from the Lord. But it was a long time before a situation would arise where that promise was invoked. Across the reign of five generations of kings. There never arose a need that caused the nation of Israel to take God at His word. In the fifth generation, we find a king named Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat fought many wars. He was involved in many battles and was a victorious warrior. But in our text, we find this victorious warrior in a desperate situation. Never before had he really stood in need of God's help the way he needed it now. His own armies had always been enough. He had never before felt the need to cry out to God for help. Never had he needed to rely upon God to help him gain the victory. He always had his own abilities to fall back on. Many times in our own lives, we think that we can make it on our own. We're just trucking along and making it our own way all by ourselves. But there will come a point in every individual's life where we will come face to face with the understanding that I can't do this thing called life on my own. I can't do it all by myself. I need somebody to help me. It could be a doctor that says you're sick and there's nothing we can do. It could be your employer that says, I'm sorry, but we have to let you go. It could be your spouse that says, this is not working out, I want a divorce. It could be a lifetime of bad choices that come crashing down upon you all at once and you are overwhelmed Can I preach to you today that every single one of us under the sound of my voice needs God in their lives. Every one of us will come to a place where we understand I can't make it without Him. I can't even take my next breath if He doesn't give me breath. The songwriter said, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. The Jehoshaphat that we find in our text is in a situation where he understands that he needs God. Three warring nations have risen together and combined their forces and come together against him. The nations of Moab and Ammon and Mount Seir have determined to crush Judah. As Jehoshaphat surveyed his enemies, no doubt he realized that he perhaps might be able to conquer one of those nations on his own. However, when they combined their forces, they were far more and mightier Than all of his armies. His back was against the wall. And it was simply more than he could handle. I wonder if you have ever felt that way before. Have you ever had to deal with that kind of a situation? When several elements come together at the same time. And create as it were a perfect storm in your life threatens your very existence. Any one of the problems individually you might be able to handle on your own. It would present just a small challenge to you perhaps that you were able to overcome. But sometimes they don't come one at a time, do they? Sometimes they don't come separately, do they? All at once you find yourself inundated and overwhelmed by problems Problems and difficulties that threaten to drag you down. And I wonder today, for anyone that may find themselves in such a situation, is there any hope in the Word of God for you today? Verse 3 of our text, we read it, tells us that Jehoshaphat, this warrior... This man who had seen many battles, Jehoshaphat, was afraid. All of a sudden, his own abilities weren't good enough. For the first time in his life, he was facing an obstacle that he could not overcome on his own. He was overwhelmed by the fact that the enemy was mightier than he was. He was afraid. Pure and simple despair settled in. Desperation got a grip on his heart. It was a completely impossible situation that had all of the earmarks of an inevitable, unavoidable defeat. Jehoshaphat, Didn't have anywhere to turn. There was no ally that he could appeal to for help. His back literally was against the wall. I'm preaching this morning on this subject. The cry that turns the tide. I guess he could have quit. I guess he could have allowed despair to take over and rob him of all desire to go on. After all, who would blame him for backing down and backing up now? The enemy was simply more and mightier than he was. But he didn't quit. He didn't throw in the towel. Come on somebody, we need a revival of that warrior spirit here today that is never defeated. It may know despair. It may recognize imminent defeat. It may look like things aren't going too well, but it never loses hope. Too many people throw up their hands and quit at the first sign of trouble. Too many people are willing to give in to despair and depression, letting hell have its way in your life. And I say, when are we going to realize that those times of great opposition are also times of great opportunity for God to show Himself strong on behalf of His people. When are we going to start seeing that right in the midst of our chaos, right in the context of our crisis, the perfect opportunity for God to speak peace into your situation. Jehoshaphat feared, but instead of giving up, he set himself to seek after the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. He looked to the one who could help him, he sought God. My, what a simple but powerful principle. Before we seek a chance to quit, we should seek God. Before we appeal to the wisdom of this world that got us in the crisis to begin with, we should seek God. Before we try to fix it on our own, which we've done so many times in the past, We should seek God before we throw the towel in and turn to drugs or turn to a bottle. We should seek God. He's the only one that can help us anyway. He's the only one that can bring peace to the chaos of your life. He's the only one that can step out to the edge of the boat and command peace in the midst of the storm. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you. As he began to pray and fast, God reaches way back through the annals of time over five generations and gets a hold of an old dusty promise, prompting it to Jehoshaphat's memory. Somewhere in the recesses of Jehoshaphat's mind, hope begins to stir as he remembered the promise that God had given to Solomon five generations ago. Suddenly, Jehoshaphat knows what to do. He gathers the people together in the court of the temple. And from that place, the Scripture says, they called upon the Lord. In the face of overwhelming opposition, with the enemy breathing down his neck, with certain defeat looming over the horizon, Jehoshaphat went to church. I want you to know today that you don't quit church to work out your problems. Can I tell you, you don't stay home to take care of your troubles. Somebody needs to say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Somebody needs to say, I came running when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I found joy in the house of the Lord. I found peace in the house of the Lord. I found healing in the house of the Lord. I found salvation in the house of the Lord. I found everything I need. In the house of the Lord. Praise God. Too many stay away from church to work out all that has afflicted them. When are we going to realize that it is in the church that you overcome your problems? It is in the church... You find the strength to carry on. It is in the church you overcome your enemies. It is in the church you find peace that passes understanding. It's in the church you find joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's in the church you find salvation for your soul. It's in the church God can put your marriage back together again. It's in the church God can work in your children and work in your job situation. Praise God. Come on, let's praise Him for a moment. Oh God. We praise You Lord, we praise You. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. So, from the temple, from the house of God, from church, Jehoshaphat called out to God. He said, "Oh Lord God of our fathers, are You not God in heaven? And God said, yes. In fact, I am. Yeah. He then states the obvious. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. You are large and in charge. And God said, well, yes. Yes, I am. Jehoshaphat continues In your hand are power and might that nobody can stand against you. And God said, yes. He says, did not you drive out all the inhabitants of this land? before your people Israel? And didn't you give it to the descendants of Abraham forever? And God said, Yes, I did. And then He gets to the heart of the matter. Aren't you the God who said, if disaster strikes, if the sword or judgment, or pestilence, or famine come upon us. If we get to the house of God, if we get our tired carcass out of bed in the morning, and pick ourselves up, and get in the car, and drive to church, If we get to the house of God and stand before you and cry out in our affliction, didn't you say that you would hear and you would save? Now behold, as if God didn't understand what the situation was, Now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir are coming to drive us out of this land. Remember, God, this is the land You gave us. They're coming to kick us out of the land that You gave us. And standing on the promise of God, Jehoshaphat said, Will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great company. We do not know what to do. We do not know where to turn. But our eyes are upon thee. And God said, I thought you'd never ask. I've been waiting for five generations of kings for somebody to take me up on this promise that I put in my book." Could it be that the reason that God has not come through for you in your situation is because we have relegated Him to the sidelines of our lives? Could it be that church has become just something we come and do on a Sunday morning and the rest of the time belongs to me? Could it be He has not delivered us yet because we haven't relinquished ourselves over to Him completely? We seek Him when we need Him. We live for ourselves when we want to live for ourselves. Could it be that He has not shown Himself strong on behalf of His people because we're still trying to figure it out on our own? Could it be that He's just waiting on us to turn and look in His direction could it be he's just waiting for somebody today to cry out to him and say, Oh God, I don't know the direction to take. I don't know what to do, but I know where to look. My eyes on you. I'm talking about the cry that turns the tide. In that moment, Jehoshaphat did something that he had never done before. He cried out to the Lord for help. And God was moved by his cry. I want to focus right here for a moment this morning. Because this was not just your regular, ordinary, run-of-the-mill cry. Jehoshaphat meant business when he cried out to the Lord. This is not just one of us getting in a predicament and saying, Oh God, would you help me? And you know good and well you're going to keep on living for yourself. You know good and well you haven't decided to completely give your life to the Lord. That's not the kind of cry I'm talking about today. Jehoshaphat meant business when he cried out to the Lord. He was in a desperate situation. And the cry that went forth was a desperate plea for help. The little three-letter word "cry" in Second Chronicles twenty and nine is an interesting word. Most of the time, throughout all of the Old Testament, the Hebrew word "qara" is used for the word "cry." It means to call aloud, to proclaim, or to pronounce. It includes all of the normal usages of the word cry. However, the cry of Jehoshaphat was different. A different Hebrew word was used here. It was a seldom used Hebrew word, which means to shriek from anguish or a sense of danger. It means to cry or shout aloud. It means a desperate call for help. I want you to know today, this was not your ordinary cry for assistance. Jehoshaphat's cry was the pleading of a man that was going down for the last time had a significant sound. It was a cry of desperation. This was not a now I lay me down to sleep kind of a prayer. This was a now I'm getting down to business. Kind of prayer. This was the cry of a man who was calling out one last time and making one last desperate plea for help. This was the cry of a man who was at the end of his rope and he was calling out for help just before he went down for the count. In the face of sure defeat, at the edge of desperation, Jehoshaphat finally calls out upon God with a heartfelt urgency. If you find yourself on the edge of desperation if this morning you find yourself facing an enemy that is greater than you and you do not know what to do, if you simply don't know the answer and don't know where to turn, you've got two choices. You can quit and give up or you can be like Jehoshaphat and get serious about touching God today. Cry. That turns the tide. I know of only one other place in the Hebrew Scripture where this particular word, zaok, for cry, is used. David uses the word cry over and over again in his writings in the Psalms. But only one time does he reference this particular word, this cry of desperation, it was in Psalm 142. David was still a young man when he wrote this psalm. As a matter of fact, it's early in his life. But David was in one of the most desperate times of his life. He's writing Psalm 142 from the cave of Adullam. David... "...has been anointed to be king over all of Israel, but he had not yet taken the throne." King Saul is still on the throne, and David is on the run for his life. David has become an outlaw in his own land. Saul hates him. He's hunting him down with a desire to kill him." Times are tough for David. He's got no friends. Even the priests that had helped him in the past have been slain for helping him. And perhaps for the first time in all of his life, he's truly alone. Hiding in the cave of Adulam, Desperate for his life. Out of his time of despair, David writes Psalm 142. I wish I had the voice to read it like I feel it. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before Him. I showed before Him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. You see, He hasn't forsaken you. He knows exactly where you are today. He knows exactly the situation you find yourself in. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, you knew my path. In the way wherein I walked, Have they privately laid a snare for me? I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto Thee, O Lord, and said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend! Unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. From the cave of Adulam. David cried in desperation to the Lord, Help me, God! I need you never again! In the life of David, will he be as utterly helpless as he is right now? Never again will be, will he be this desperate. Never again will he cry this kind of a cry. From the cave of Adulam unto the day of his death, he will be surrounded by his mighty men who will stand beside him and do anything for him. But at this one moment, moment of his life, he stands alone and there is no one to help him but Almighty God. And in that moment, he cried out to the Lord with the voice of desperation. I come to you today with a simple message. All of us fight our personal battles against the enemy. Not one of us is exempt. We all battle spirits and temptations. For some it is despair. For others it is loneliness. Some battle depression. Others battle feelings of uselessness and worthlessness. Our society although it doesn't proclaim it, is so good at pushing aside the marginalized people of this life, those that don't seem to have it all together, and pushing them aside and making them feel like second-class citizens and worthless. We all struggle against an enemy that seeks to destroy our souls. And most times we fight the battle all alone. For a number of reasons. We never feel quite comfortable with sharing those intimate struggles with our friends and fellow worshipers even in the church. Often we're afraid that instead of praying with us, they'll spread this little juicy bit of gossip Amongst us. So we struggle through battles and fight to maintain our spiritual balance all alone. However, there comes in each of our lives those moments and times where we feel completely overwhelmed. That problem. That situation that you told yourself, I will never share this with anybody. We get right to the point where we're ready to say it to somebody we feel overwhelmed. Two or three or four or five things come against us all at once and we are left there wondering how in the world am I going to be able to make it out here on my own. If it was just one thing maybe I could get by. Maybe I could just keep struggling on through. But two or three things come and it knocks us down to our feet and we don't know where to turn and we struggle to get back up to our feet and make it back out to the house of God on a Sunday morning but we don't feel safe we don't feel like we can share it with anybody else and so we get knocked back down to our feet again and we struggle back up but one time when we're down a couple of more things compiling down upon us and eventually We've got to get to the place where Jehoshaphat found himself, that mighty warrior. The one that said, hey, everybody, I've got it all together. The one that was leading the charge every other week. I've got it all together. Everybody, just follow me. I want you to know even your pastor can get to a situation if people are not lifting him up in prayer and helping to support him. Even your pastor, he doesn't feel like he can share his problems with you. He's the one that's supposed to carry everybody else's problems. And his wife is supposed to be the one to carry him. Now who's going to carry her? When everybody comes and dumps all their problems on the pastor's wife and says this and that that's wrong and this other thing is happening and I don't like this and and I don't care for this other thing, who's going to lift them up? But every once in a while, God brings to our memory that old dusty promise that Jehoshaphat dusted off and pulled back into the present day. And I'm here to tell you today we can do the same thing here this morning. We can reach back to that promise in the Word of God. The Word of God that is forever settled. That never changes. That's a foundation that you can build your life upon. We can reach back and say Oh God, I I don't know if anybody else here understands what I'm going through. Most times we can see it. Most times we do. It's just us that feels we've hidden it from everybody else. Oh God, I don't know if anybody else knows just what I'm going through. I don't know if anybody else knows how hard it was for me to get here today to the house of God. Can I preach to you this morning? You're here you might as well cry out to God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Let me tell you what to do when you're overwhelmed. I'm almost done. Join your voice with Jehoshaphat. Join your voice with David of Psalm 142 and cry out in desperation to God. There is within you a certain cry, a certain sound that gets the attention of God. It's that cry of surrender. It's that sound of desperation. It's that plea that says, I've tried everything else and nothing has helped. I need you, God. When he could no longer rely on himself, Jehoshaphat cried out to God in desperation. And God used him. Him to bring about one of the greatest victories ever recorded, he tells Jehoshaphat, You won't need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Tomorrow, When you go out to fight, the Lord will be with you. When Jehoshaphat got serious about touching God with the cry of desperation, he moved the very hand of God to begin to fight on his behalf. It was exactly what God was waiting for. Sometimes I get the idea that God is standing up in heaven, as it were, and looking down into each individual heart. And He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what you battle. And He's up there saying, oh, if they would only allow me to show myself strong on behalf of them. If they would only invite me into the fight, I could fight for them. I'm talking about the cry as we stand together that turns the tide. Let's stand. God hears the cry of desperate people. In just a moment, we're going to turn this sanctuary into one big altar area. There won't be a place you can run. Sometimes we run to the back. But the presence of God is sweeping back and forth across this sanctuary. And this entire sanctuary is going to be turned into one great big altar call here today. This entire sanctuary is going to be a place where we can cry out to God. I wonder this morning if somebody would put aside their properness. I took a while... Getting dressed up for church this morning. I shine my shoes up. I got socks that go along with what I have on. I've got just the right tie. My hair, well, never mind. It's not in place anymore. It was just in place. And everything was just... He wants me to do what? How desperate are you? How bad do you want God in your life? How much of Him do you want? Just what do you think He can do for you today? Isaiah 58, verse number 9. Then shall thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt Cry, And he shall say, here I am. Not only does God hear the cry of his desperate people, but listen to what he says. He doesn't say, here I come. Oh, come on, somebody. You didn't get it. God hears the desperate cry of His people. And He doesn't say, just wait a minute, I'm on the way. He doesn't say, hold on as long as you can hold on. I'll get there as quick as I can get there. But He says, here I am. I've been here all along. I've just been waiting for you to call out to me in desperation. God wanted them to know... I haven't abandoned you. You just forgot to call upon me. I've been here all along. I've been waiting for you to include me in the context of your chaos. And when you cry out to me in desperation, here I am! That's all I have today. And now, I just want to invite anybody... Who's desperate to touch God. To put your properness aside. To put the right behavior aside. Come on, be like the woman with the issue of blood. She knocked people out of the way. I don't care who I have to move out of the way. I'm going to touch Him. I don't care what I have to do. I'm desperate for a touch from God. I invite you all over this sanctuary to call out to God and realize today that He is a mighty God. And there's nothing too hard for the Lord your God. Come on. Let that cry of desperation oh, well up inside of you today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh God. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, I need some elder. Hallelujah. I need some of the old saints of God that have been around this a long time to lead the way and begin to cry out, Oh, God! I need You! I'm desperate for a touch from You, oh God! Jesus! Jesus, Jesus! Jesus! We are your Come on, cry out Crying to Him today. You don't even have to get down to this altar. You can cry out to Him right where you're at today. If you've got a need, cry out to Him. He hears you today. Yes, yes, yes. I'm desperate for you Lord I'm hungry for you Lord I'm thirsty for you Lord Oh